just another quick reminder, you can tune in on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. The link will be in the show notes below and you can watch these episodes. I'm actually shooting these on video now before I used to just do the audio and I'm posting these. So uh, if you prefer to watch, listen on YouTube, uh, that's cool too. I would love that. Be sure to tune in and subscribe. Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So preseason game two is in the books. The Warriors came back and beat the Washington Wizards in their second game in Japan before coming back to the Bay. It was 104-95. Entertaining game. I mean, it started off really sloppy. I was impressed by the Warriors young guys' ability to come back and outscore the Wizards 30-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter and actually make it a pretty entertaining game. I mean, it's funny, right? Like, sure, the Warriors uh, young dudes were playing a bunch of uh, garbage guys, you know, garbage time players. I don't call them garbage guys. That's too disrespectful. But, like, uh, a bunch of bench dudes from the Washington Wizards. So it is what it is. But it's funny because you watch – this Warriors team with all these young dudes and they literally look at times like an all-star AAU team. You know what I mean? Like they just have a lot of guys and I've said this in the previous episode, they just have a lot of solid, solid talent from the top end to the bottom end of the roster. Even guys who probably won't make the the squad, you know, start off this episode though. I wanted to talk about Dante DiVincenzo. I accidentally forgot to mention him in my game one episode. I am really, really glad the Warriors signed him. I was a big fan of that signing when it happened. I know that there was a lot of hand-wringing about losing Gary Payton the second, and I would have loved to have kept him as well. But, you know, I trust Bob Myers. I've said that before, and they've earned definitely earned the right to get a little bit of leeway, get cut some slack with some of their decisions. Yes, they've made some mistakes in the past. Every front office makes mistakes, but unless you live through the heart of the uh, Chris Cohan era, then um, I don't think you understand how good the Warriors have it right now. So in terms of Dante DiVincenzo, comparing him to Gary Payton, I mean, you know, it's, it's not something where I'm just going to uh, knock Gary Payton, but just to talk positively about Dante DiVincenzo, the dude has a great pedigree. You know, he played with the Bucks and he's from Villanova and he just knows how to play hard. He's basically on the Warriors trying to recoup his value, rebuild it, right? He had some injuries and he played with Zach for a little bit last season. And, you know, this is what some guys do. It's what Gary Payton did. It's what, uh, Otto Porter Jr. basically did, right? It was like, come to the Warriors pretty cheap and try to win a title, of course, but also rehab your value so that you can get like a better, longer-term contract elsewhere. And that's why those two dudes who were critical last season aren't here. What you see from DiVincenzo is that he's willing to be that kind of pesky defender full court. He doesn't seem to have the same kind of reach and definitely doesn't have the same athleticism as Gary Payton II, but I think that the effort, I mean, we all know that defense is about effort, 
that Dante is willing to muck it up a little bit. And I think that's something I can really appreciate. And I think he can give you more on offense overall. He can't really give you the, you know, dunker spot lob threat that GP2 did, but he can definitely play both guard spots. And, you know, he has more of a well-rounded offensive game, right? He's not just a defensive specialist. Again, we've talked over the summer about how with uh, him versus GP2, it's like, you know, he's better at some things than GP2 and GP2 is better than DiVincenzo at other things, right? So to me, it's like a very, very solid move. And I think Warriors fans who were, you know, a little worried are going to be pleasantly surprised by how good this guy is and how solid of a pro he is. And all y'all who already knew, then, you know, then it's just going to be fun to see him meld in with this team because he definitely knows that he has a role to fill. Right. And that's something that as a veteran, he understands he has to do those things. He's not going to try to go out there and jack up 20 shots a game. He's going to go out there and do what the Warriors need him to do, especially on a roster like this. Jonathan Kaminga, he had, you know, again, kind of an up and down game. I think he's still trying to figure out where he fits in this offense and what he can do. He's like, has all the athletic ability, but you know, just finding out how to be more of a leader in the offense. You know, it's something that, again, it's just two games and I feel like he'll find his way a little bit more. And don't get me wrong, he's not like looking lost out there, but sometimes it just feels like he's pressing a little bit much. And again, the the ball handling, it's something he just has to tighten up and figure out how to get his shots off. Once he starts nailing his kind of mid-range uh, Paul Pierce-esque uh, jumper and gets more reliable from distance. I mean, he's going to be a massive, massive threat because, uh, you know, I mean, it's just two games against the Wizards, but you got to know that other teams will have scouted what he likes to do. He likes to kind of fake, go dribble drive right or left, get into the lane, pump fake, spin, all that stuff. So those are the things that we saw him do a lot last season when other teams didn't really prepare for him. They have an idea of what he likes to do, other teams do. And so he's going to have to adjust and figure out how to come up with counter moves because that's what every great wing has. Like they have a multitude of counters or options of which way to go. You know, like I think famously Kobe talked about how he only had two things. He would either go right or left. Like those were his counters. But within those right or left moves, he would have other things that he could do, other ways to get his shot off. And I think that's part of John Kaminga's evolution just as a skilled player, right? We know he's athletic. He's super young still, but he's going to have to add that extra layer upon layer eventually of basketball skill. And not saying that he's unskilled or going back to the old narrative that he's purely raw, but the Warriors are giving him some responsibility. They see his talent. They want him to be able to handle the ball, initiate, do things like that, and make quick decisions, pass the ball, et cetera. And he can do those things, but he just needs more and more reps doing that because obviously last season, not as much because he was just off ball, cutting lobs, et cetera. Summer, we saw a little bit of that mixed results, you know, some good signs, but then also some wildness. And, you know, we're going to see that moving forward. I alluded to that in the previous episode, but it's going to be kind of a little bit of running theme. And, you know, 
certainly we'll see some progress, I think, as the games go on. And one thing about Kamenga, he's definitely fighting on defense. Kyle Kuzma was trying to body him a little bit. And, you know, Kamenga, he is pretty strong and he's feisty and he fought back. Wasn't perfect all the time, but, you know, in the post, he was pushing back and he guarded Kuzma pretty well. Kuzma tried to get him down. Couldn't do it. Couldn't put a move on him. Had to pass out of it. And that's that's what you want. James Wiseman, the star of game one. He had a you know okay game. Wasn't as uh, flashy, but what I like seeing is that he's still aggressive as hell, and he's trying to dunk on people. And that's something that we didn't really see as much before. He definitely looks like he's stronger, and he just plays with more purpose, more intention. One of the listeners mentioned that he has a lot more balance, and I think I could see that too. He was always really top-heavy, right? Like in all the photos of him before the 2020 draft, it was like he was really buff up top, but like his legs were really skinny. And, you know, it looks like he's a little bit more balanced and a little bit stronger top and bottom. So I think that's going to help him a lot as the season goes on. He had a three-pointer, which we all know he can do. We saw him do that his rookie year. And I think that's something that he'll probably like rein in during the regular season when he gets minutes. But hopefully second half of the season, you know, when the Warriors front office and the Warriors coaching staff trust him a little bit more, he'll be able to kind of like, you know, if he finds himself out there, he'll take those shots, especially with a second unit. Again, there's much less pressure on him, right? Like, like I said last time, he knows more what he has to do. The coaching staff knows more what he needs to do. And the vets, you know, they have more patience after playing with a couple rookies last season. They played with Moody. They played with Kaminga. I mean, let's face it, guys like Steph and Draymond, they really didn't know. They haven't had to play with high-end rookies during the past several years after winning a few titles, you know? So having Wiseman in 2020, it was very, very like, you know, what's, what's going on. And also the confidence of course, of having just won a championship with some young dudes makes you realize that like, okay, there's, you know, the, these warriors have a little bit more patience. And I think that helps Wiseman that helps Steph that helps Draymond that helps all the vets and the coaching staff understand what it is they're dealing with. And, you know, obviously they've reformed their coaching staff over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, they have a lot more developmental coaches who are like more focused and have more experience doing that. And it's pretty clear that, especially with so many more young dudes, that that's a big priority. And that's helped Wiseman as well as Kamenga Moody. And it'll help Patrick Baldwin Jr., Ryan Rollins, et cetera, et cetera. One thing, though, again, is like, you know, James Wiseman, he needs to like really, really squeeze the ball on those rebounds. There was one in particular where he got a rebound and then brought it down and a Wizards player just swiped it out of his hands. And, you know, like it's just one time. And there was another time in the game where I think on a break, maybe Poole or somebody else threw him the ball and it just kind of went through his hands. So James Wiseman has good hands, right? He has good hands, soft hands, right? But he needs to just be able to like have the strong hands and again, like fight for those rebounds and don't let anybody get them from you, right? Because that's the thing. Uh, if you can get the rebound, great, but you have to really, really be sure, especially if people think they can snag it from you when you're not paying attention or if you bring the ball too low. And I think, again, that's just part of 
the progress of him getting more minutes and getting more comfortable and then understanding all the little things that he still has to do the details right because when you start playing again it's just about you know getting comfortable and getting your body and trusting your body but then it's the finer points you know that you sometimes forget and i think especially playing against real nba players who are fast and strong you know maybe a g leaguer or a college player is not going to swipe the ball from him but these guys will especially if they know that you're vulnerable to that moses moody as we've all been saying, again, he just looks solid, steady. He looks confident. He looks like a vet. Sometimes when he's out there, I'm like, dang, that dude is just 20 years old because I'm pretty sure I was not that mature when I was 20 years old. I definitely didn't carry myself that way. And, you know, like I think that he is going to be very, very, very solid and it's going to be fun watching him develop. Who knows? You know, everybody talks about how Kaminga has a higher ceiling, but, you know, that's not to say that Moody is just going to be just three and D guy. He might be able to do more. I'm sure for him, he wants more, but we'll see, right? Like he has that pedigree, just like Dante DiVincenzo does. Moody went to, was it Montverde, that powerhouse high school? His teammates were Scotty Barnes and uh, Cade Cunningham. You know, then he went and played at Arkansas under former Warriors coach Eric Musselman, and they played, you know, pro-style offenses and stuff, and he was taught NBA defenses. So those things are the things that are helping Moses Moody beyond his pure talent. Those are the things that are helping him kind of have an advantage over other guys his age because he has that tutelage, and it's just also part of who he is. So you're seeing a lot of that. He, he impressed me. He impressed me in this uh, game. He was five for 10, two for five from three, and he had 12 points. Definitely a solid showing. And I mean, dang, again, like this team is just loaded. I want to talk about Travion Williams right quick. Uh, it says on the stat sheet that he's 6'10. He doesn't look that tall to me. He looks really just a little bit like 6'8, six, 6'9 six, at the most, but like 6'8 and stocky. That's what I'm seeing. Uh, I don't know if he'll find a spot on the roster. Maybe if he goes to Santa Cruz, uh, but I like him. I like him because he is one of those sturdy, stocky dudes that the Warriors haven't had in a long time, especially when you look at the Warriors centers last season, right? It was, you know, Bielitsa. It was, of course, Draymond and Looney. And you want a guy who's kind of just tough and a bruiser. I saw Trayvon Williams go up for rebounds really, really easily. And that's something that you could always, always use on your team. Again, I don't know if there's space for him right away, but he's definitely a good pickup to hopefully stash away and develop. I think he can eventually crack the NBA. Uh, you know, he definitely has that ability. I haven't seen enough of him. I don't know his offensive game, how deep it goes, but decent pickup so far. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day 
all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Ryan Rollins, he only played six minutes, 0 for 4, two points. I think that with him, again, just some of the same stuff that I said in the first episode, he can definitely drive, but he doesn't always get to the bucket. You know, he needs to learn how to finish. I think that's that's part of it. Obviously, like developing the rest of his game, but in terms of like that element, which we've seen these first two preseason games, that's something that he needs to work on because he can get there. He can get past people, but can he get all the way to the cup? And if he can, if he can start doing that, and find a consistent way to score, then, you know, that's a huge, huge thing. Because if you look at someone like Steph, you look at someone like Jordan Poole, we all know those two dudes aren't, have never been known to be crazy athletic, you know, players. That's not the scouting report on them. And we've seen it, right? But they are smart, they are crafty, and they are skilled. They're skilled getting their shots off, they're skilled putting the ball off the glass. They're skilled getting like little head fakes to buy some time, get some space. And, you know, Jordan Poole's herky-jerky motion. Steph, you know, he's he's helped a lot by the fact that people are so, so scared of his shot that, you know, gives him a little bit of more of a window to get past people and get his uh, shot off close to the basket. So, again, that's something that Rollins just has to develop as part of his game. Uh, we saw Mac McClung, <laughs> you know, we didn't see him in the first game, the, the internet sensation, and he got a, a dunk actually, which I was, I was glad to see. Uh, I don't know what his future is with this team. Is it something, you know, cause he signed uh, a deal with the Warriors that made it seem like he wouldn't be willing to go to the G league that he wanted just to either get onto the roster or be let go. And if he doesn't go to the Warriors G League team, then, you know, hopefully somebody picks him up. I think he has talent, but it's a question of do the Warriors just care more about Rollins and want to get Rollins minutes? Because Rollins is who they've invested in, right? And he probably has a higher, longer term ceiling. Not that McClung can't play, but, you know, if you're going to have a guy at the end of the bench get some garbage minutes. Don't you want that to be Ryan Rollins? I mean, Mac McClung, he could be on the roster and then you just stick Rollins in the G League. That could be a scenario. I don't know. But I kind of feel like, you know, it's one of those things, Mac McClung, it's it's like Gary Payton the second. It's like Seth Curry. Like he is good enough to potentially be in the league. He has the talent. But it's just a question of being kind of stamped as this G League guy, this journeyman at this point, and really, really just putting the work in and finding that opportunity to really, really, really stick on a team. And sometimes it takes a while. I mean, hopefully it doesn't take that long for him, but he could be falling into that category. Um, But yeah, I enjoy seeing him play and he he seems like a a fun dude to have on the team. But you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. There's, the preseason still goes on for a while. Patrick Baldwin Jr., he was kind of the story of this game. He got some second half minutes. He played 17 minutes, four for six overall, four for five from three, 
pretty good. <laughs> Six boards, plus 23, the highest plus minus of the team on the night and 12 points. If you didn't know, he was one of the top recruits in his high school class. He hurt his ankle his senior year, didn't play much. And then instead of going to big name schools like Duke or whatever for college, he played for his dad at Milwaukee, where he had a very, very basically bad season. He shot terribly. He didn't look fluid on the court because of that ankle. And then the Warriors took a flyer on him. They picked him number 28, magical number 28. In the last several years, the Warriors have picked number 28 three times. <laughs> they ended up with Jacob Evans the third, Jordan Poole, and Patrick Baldwin Jr. So hopefully the trend of picking better at 28 continues. But, you know, he was at the top of his class. He was technically projected to be a lottery pick way, way back when. And, you know, that's a <laughs> that's a massive steal if he ends up being anywhere close to that, right? Because if it was really just the ankle and a bum year, then that talent is still there. You know, I said in the last episode, he looks legit 6'9", 6'10", not like 6'7", 6'8", and just fudging the data. He's somebody that his shot looks pure. I keep saying he brings it from kind of low, but, you know, maybe I'm spoiled by by Clay Thompson catching in front of his face and going straight up. But Patrick Baldwin has top first round talent. And it could be something where, you know, he just takes a lot of G League time and then, who knows, second half of the season, maybe they just start developing some of these young guys more. I mean, they're going to be doing it all season, right? Because they know that you give the vets rest and you, as I always say, make sure they're healthy and then get the young guys ready for bright lights, big moments, all that stuff while staying in the top three of the Western Conference standings. I think that's kind of the 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 strategy, in my opinion. So if he gets some minutes and just becomes a reliable three-point shooter, and honestly, like he doesn't look just like a big stiff. He's not the most athletic guy, but he can move. He can move his feet. He moves a lot better than a guy who had a busted ankle. And I think that just having that shooter, that size is a weapon that you can, I mean, that's the skill. That's a skill that can be employed as long as it's not a big negative on the defensive end. Again, this is just one game against the Wizards in Japan in the preseason, right? So we haven't seen him play against the best talent at the highest competition level yet. And there's a way for him to go. And, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not like he's going to be inserted in the NBA finals or in any playoff games next year, but he's somebody that you just see him develop. And again, like I said, like looking at the Warriors team, it's like an all-star AAU team. You have Wiseman, Moody, uh, Kaminga, uh, Baldwin. These guys were all technically lottery level talent at some point, you know, Three of them were picked in lottery. PBJ was not. So I'm high up on Patrick Baldwin Jr. Just because like, man, you drafted this guy. There's no need for him to play <laughs> anytime really in the next year in terms of like meaningful minutes. And you can develop him in a couple of years, right? And maybe even shorter, maybe by next season, he can get some rotation minutes somewhere as your stretch big. Uh, yeah, that's that's nuts. That's really, really nuts to me how much I honestly like, and, and I don't want to be too, too ridiculous about this, but I'm having trouble thinking about a team 
like the Warriors that had this much overall talent, top to bottom, all the way to the end. Yeah, we can look at like the, of course, the Kevin Durant years. There was that first Kevin Durant year that had like Swaggy P, JaVale McGee, Zaza Pachulia, Andre, Sean Livingston, Patrick McCaw, who was still, you know, looking, looking up, I guess. But just in terms of veteran talent, Hall of Fame talent, and guys who can really, really, really start blossoming like this year, next year, and the year after. I mean, if I was Andre Godala, I would just try to latch on to this team for like another three, four years and trying to see how many titles you could end up with, right? And it's funny because like this team with their, you know, where everybody's talking about this Warriors team and their bench losing some key pieces, which again, they have. But man, they they have a lot of dudes they could throw out on the court. And let's make no mistake, right? Like a lot of these guys are young, but a lot of the league is young too for when these guys would actually come in and play. And some of them already have big time experience, right? Like you would trust Kaminga and Moody against, you know, some of the better teams in the league. You know, eventually you hope to trust them deep into the playoffs. That's the goal for this season because they barely played deep in the playoffs last year. So that's where you want to see them. And you have Wiseman, again, as long as he's healthy, just make sure that he's a guy who, you know, just adding that vertical dimension, just that size. I mean, think about it, like in the playoffs last year, in the finals, the Warriors, everybody's saying like, oh, you know, Robert Williams III, who's who's good, is a very, very solid player. But like, how were the Warriors going to deal with him? And to be able to have a 7-1 center, a number two pick, go in there and battle him is just a crazy, crazy addition to an already talented championship defending roster. This season could be kind of nuts, to be honest, assuming health. And it's it's great seeing this team, the vets and the young guys, because it's just that air of a team that has confidence that just obviously won the title and they have this new way of operating with younger guys, younger players. And you could tell that the organization has this level of confidence in what they're doing as well as the coaching staff and the, and the players. And it's crazy to see, you know, it's also crazy that like Jordan Poole, all of what, 23 going on 24 years old, like seeing him as a vet, at this point, a legit vet who's been through some battles in the playoffs. And it's, it's funny, man, because like when you see him out there with Kaminga, with Wiseman, it's like he's the vet <laughs> amongst those guys. And so it's it's pretty wild. And, you know, it's seeing him talk up Wiseman on the sideline. You're like, OK, hopefully, hopefully that's, you know, Jordan Poole, but also maybe a little bit of like the vets, Andre Godala even you know, teaching him how to, how to lead, et cetera. And like, that's part of the culture and you just want to keep that continuing. And, you know, I mean, honestly, it's like, man, this, this could go on for a while just in terms of how, how good this team could be in the future. Again, a lot of things can happen. There's a lot of salary stuff, injuries happen. Uh, people don't develop as you hope they should, but 
there's a lot of dudes on this team. That's that's all I'll say. Anyway, that's all I got for now. The Warriors, they are back in the Bay, and I think they play the Lakers uh, on the 9th at home. So we'll see uh, if we get PBJ against LBJ at any point and see how he does against that. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.